0: Welcome to episode 516 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right here, team. Welcome along to episode five one six of I am Talk with Coach John Yusuf and Bevan James Owls. How you go, mate?
1: Sensational,
0: sensational.
1: And you? It's like a league commentator, yeah, isn't hell it? Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Oh mate, the old league. The Warriors came to Christchurch. Disappointing again. Disappointing again. <laughs> Warriors. John, I am Talk is proudly brought to you by
1: Athletics
0: A uh, social network for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. Our oxygen addict And looking for some coaching And our patrons And these people absolutely rock, John It's pretty dark in the morning right now, isn't it? I know it is I'm I going on a topic here, but Jeepers creepers I'm just wondering how long it is before you give a weather report Well, it was pretty horrific overnight, wasn't it, John? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys want the weather report So Monday night in New Christchurch, you put your bins out In our part of town In our part of town, you put your bins out And, and they're big bins, aren't they, John? Especially big. the recycling ones yep. how, how many, how many gallons would that be? I don't know, gallons, litres, I don't know. They're, they're good, good size bins. Up to probably chest height. Yep. You know, wide, big. I'm driving home from band practice last night. I have to say, got a good new drummer. Pretty happy about that, John. He's pretty good. <laughs> and uh, they're blowing over the streets, John.
1: Bins are very Gale Force wins.
0: Gale Force wins, John. So people... You may get another
1: weather report later on If we, oh, The sun might not be out by the time we finish But if it is I think we're going to see our first little bit of snow in the mountains Oh really? Mm. Oh that's exciting
0: oh, People this the only reason to, to this show uh, Patrons include
1: Colin the Convict Bieloski We've got Jeremy W Special Agent Ryan Simon the Setter Pace, oh the Pace Setter
0: oh, nice, the last name Pace is it? Yeah It's nice, it's <laughs> so
1: original of uh-huh. us
0: Tim Hemming, he's uh, the breaker Because he breaks
1: the big news Soren Mr. Tasty
0: Vrist Very good, and uh, this week's show we've got some news We've got uh, at Coach's Corner
1: so quick coach's
0: corner. Yeah, which is
1: based off uh a bit of controversy last, week. the last week's I oh, it was controversy. It's one person's controversy. It's hardly controversy.
0: Stats testing, John, it's been a while. I remember when you brought Stats Testic out, you said it's gonna be on every show. And yep. I've always forgotten about it. So yes. it's back. Uh, we've got Maca on the show.
1: Mm-hmm. We've got my first try, which and is we're quite an apt person this week.
0: Yep, that's true. And uh Rob will be from Oxygen Attic is gonna come and talk about some few things as well. So jombo this week's news. Well, a bit of a bit of a race happened last weekend and there's a lot of talk about I was at the gym, yes. just teaching my body tech class. No, just teaching pump. And your lovely wife Belinda was walking into body Tech and she goes, "Have you seen Iron Man Texas?" Oh, <laughs> t- I'm
1: sure she wasn't quite
0: that excited about it. Oh, no, that. you know what? Actually, she was. She was. <laughs> she goes, "It's carnage out there." Yeah, she really was. It was oh. unbelievable. Yeah. Yep. So you go, you go home and ask her, and she'll go, "Yes, Be- Bevan is correct as
1: always." Yeah. So what happened, John? It was basically a soap opera this event. Here and we going These have a, are the days of our lives. We're going to have a chat with Nadine Voice uh, from Christchurch, who was out there as part of it. Uh, in a moment, that will help explain a few things but pre-event it was a bit of a schmozzle as we know they had troubles with traffic management and then they had to make the course short which we've debated and said was Pretty poor effort, but that was the deal. But it's a big event. They had over 3,000 entrants. Wow. That is a lot yeah. of people. that going to be the biggest one, wouldn't it? I would have thought so. Right, it must be right up there. 3,000? That's not 3,000 starters, but it's 3,000 entrants, so they would have you know, had close to that. Um, so the swim course got changed in race week, uh, but it sounds like it was actually a positive change. It changed from an out and back um, in the upper canal to one big loop. It was a non-wetsuit swim, but you can wear a wetsuit if you want to. Because it was 80 degrees in the
0: water, Yeah. well, Fahrenheit, and the 76.1 is the official
1: amount, isn't it, for heat? I don't know what the exact temperature is, it, I but is. that's ridiculous. I'm going to have to get ranting here, I'm afraid. Here we go. It's, if it's warm enough to swim, you just do the bloody swim, you can't wear a wetsuit. Yeah, I agree. I was I was mid rant there. It'd be a technical problem. It was so exploding. I'm, I'm not quite as fired up now, but it is still pretty shit. Well, what, what, why? You, I'm trying to get your just trying to, to get you to fired up again. To help people who aren't properly prepared get through the swim, and it's like, well, you can swim 3.8 k's.
0: Is it more dangerous?
1: Because like we, we interviewed Nadine in a few a
0: few minutes, and she was saying she was boiling in a, in a um, swim skin. Yeah, yeah. After a few hundred meters.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's a good point, actually. I think it is actually probably more dangerous. Because the
0: thing about those people who are wearing a wetsuit for confidence is they're going to be out there a lot longer. Mm. You're just sitting for two hours in that kind of heat. You're going to be losing a lot of and fluid. You can't take fluid in. Mm. So in some ways, are you actually causing maybe a different kind of
1: problem? I just can't understand it. If it's that warm, you ain't going to freeze. The like... only exception I would have is people who haven't got the use of their legs and then it's it is a really significant deal for those people but that's other than that get rid of that rule wtc it sucks okay so you're
0: saying no wetsuits over a certain temperature. no wetsuit means no wetsuit no wetsuit means it's as simple as that isn't it john
1: i'm a bit disappointed we lost the
0: technical side of things i love it <laughs> when you rent
1: anyway and then we know the bike course was short and then the run as you're going to hear from Nadine, what happened on the run was bizarre and there's no easy way for wtc to to try to figure this one out so the weather in texas was hot and steamy um, for much of the day, and then during the run, it went mental. A lot of people had finished. Well, I say, I say a lot. The pros had finished, and the fast age groupers had finished. But then all of a sudden, whooshka! This massive storm comes in. The pictures on <laughs> Facebook and stuff is just insane weather. You said uh, it was
0: like 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 a storm, like you know, bloody flooding was happening in a few minutes.
1: Yeah. So what happened is that it, they suspended the race. So where you were on the course, you basically ran to the next timing mat, and then they said, okay, we're, we're stopping the race. And maybe at that point we'll let Nadine explain the rest. But then you were able to carry on afterwards. Uh, so they stopped for a while and then, and then carried on. And Nadine sort of goes into actually how that was that for, the, for the athletes. So yeah, maybe we'll chuck that in now.
0: Okay, so here's Nadine Voice who did the race last weekend.
1: Righto, guys, um, so to get the inside scoop on what actually happened at Ironman Texas, we've got Flower Power, Nadine Voice, all the way from Christchurch, she actually lives down the road from Bevan and, and myself, but she's cu- currently driving to San Antonio, and she did uh, the infamous Ironman Texas at the weekend, so welcome along to the show, Nadine. Hi, thanks. Right, uh, you were one of the people that did uh, were involved in the race suspension, so maybe... Tell us how that sort of actually panned out when you were actually out there in the race, and um, and what actually happened when you got to carry on.
2: Sure. So I was uh, just started the second lap of the run, and it was starting to rain a little bit. And for me, that was pretty good because it's getting pretty bloody hot. So I was walking in the rain, I and mean, then honestly, just thunder and lightning like I've never seen thunder and lightning that big before. Yeah. So I was quite happy. It was chucking it down, and I just kept running along. The next aid station was there, and it was all good. Um, it started to flood pretty quickly. Like, the path got, like, a couple of inches deep in water um, quite quickly. Um, and, yeah, just kept running along. I think a couple of miles later, we came through an aid station that was pretty much abandoned. And um, there was a timing map there, and someone was saying, um, in a volunteer kit, saying, cross this, that's it, your time stops, your race is over and we're like, Whoa I was Like, what? And they're like, no, they've pulled it, the race is over, they're stopping the race And we're like, Oh, what do we what do we do? And um so you just keep walking around. So we stayed on the course and we were just near a golf club house. Mm-hmm. And so we took child in there. Um no one sort of said this is what's happening now or we were just kinda I'm
1: sitting there a bit clueless. Um, maybe a hundred people, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. And and when when so you actually then how far into the run are you there? She, she's 12, 12 miles in. 12 miles in okay. um, so then, how did it actually yep. re- restart? And did you all sort of start at the same time? And uh, or did they just say, "Okay, away you go"? And do you know if similar things happened at other different points on the course? Sure.
2: So we. Yeah, we all just kind of sat there. Some people were taking shelter. Um, some were getting really quite cold. Um, being a Kiwi and I was with one of the lads in the UK, we were pretty comfortable in the rain. Um, sort of no one around telling you what was going to happen. And we honestly expected a school bus to come and take us to the finish or something because our impression was we weren't going to be allowed to continue. And then after, I don't know, maybe half an hour, I suppose, the rain sort of lifted and the sun came out. And so we're like, oh, I wonder if we if we can go. I wonder what will happen. I mean, just the captain at the aid station, because we happened to be stopped at an aid station, said, right, you can go. And we're like, hey. And he says, no, you can go. You can go and finish the race. And so we all left together, probably 100 of us, I think it was. So that was kind of funny, because now you're in yeah. a big pack instead of running on your own. But um, because we thought the race was stopped, we'd sat there... Um, 30-40 minutes and didn't think to take on any mission or anything because we thought we were go home. So <laughs> <laughs> it's challenging to restart halfway through a run uh, with yeah, having done that.
1: But. So in terms of the results, because you said that you were standing around for 30 or 40 minutes and I know you said to me on email that um, your finish time online was different <laughs> to your actual moving time. Have they figured out how they are actually going to be able to fix the results or do you know if it was a bit random in terms of you know, how long they held other groups for?
2: From what I understand, I don't think they are going to fix it because they can't determine, like for example, if everyone stopped and if they did like, exactly where on course they stopped, like if it was at a timing mat or just before or just after. So what they've done for the Kona slots and the awards was used the last time he met that the top ten went through. So I know for example in I think it's male fifty to fifty four, so Roger Cannon was um he'd actually finished and was in sixth. But when they went back to mile twenty two I think it was, he was in seventh. So he's actually missed out on the conversation stage. So he's emailed them to, to sort it because they were pretty upfront and said if you think you've actually you would have got one, you know, send us through an email with the information and we'll we'll look into it. He's sit on the edge of his seat waiting to find out what happens with that. So I'm um, seeing you through a link that has, um, they've kind of gone with all the, the top 10 at the last timing point. So some of the older age groups, when they got called up for awards, you said, they've done like seven hour Ironman races, because um, yeah. they were reading out the times. So that's a bit bizarre. Um, yeah. I think and we just have to take the time. It's going to be a PB Ironman too with the shortened five. <laughs> What
0: what about the wet wet, – if you wanted to qualify, you had to do a non-wetsuit swim, but how did they determine who used wetsuits and who didn't?
2: They held their wetsuits back, and they started them after us. I'm not sure what the time gap was, I think. So everyone held back, so it was a rolling start. Um, Honestly, you'd have baked in a wetsuit. I was in a swimskin, and it was so hot. Mm. I just wanted to rip my swim cap off 500 metres in because I was so warm. Um, so they just held him, held him back and they just did their own sort of separate rolling start just after us.
0: And did many actually use the wetsuits?
2: I uh, honestly don't know. I sort of wasn't looking around. I just got in line for the start. Um, I did get caught by a couple just as I was coming out of the water. So, mm. but, but, And I started reasonably well up the field.
1: But despite all that, um, you, you said on email to me that you still thought it was a cool event and you, you'd, you'd go back.
2: Yeah, it, it's... Um, you know, everyone sees everything's bigger in Texas and honestly it is. And same even with I mean, like it was well run. They had a lot of stuff they had to deal with last minute, like changing the swim course. They did that really well. Built transition in an afternoon for us. It wasn't originally gonna be there. Um and you know, with all the dramas with the bike course that everyone knows about, it was so well marked and well marshalled. I have no idea where we went. Couldn't tell <laughs> you now. Um and my my Strava map looks insane. But like you, There was no doubt where you had to turn or anything. It was so well managed, the whole thing, which was really great. Hmm.
1: And finally for you, a little plug for your um, for your team?
2: Team, team Betty Designs. So it's quite cool racing with my teammates, and everybody over here knows about the team. So normally I'm the only one <laughs> in my team. So I had a couple of girls come in to support us because I was racing here and met some of the girls, which was really cool. So yeah, here to Betty Designs to buy some cool tri
1: Nice. Awesome. Well, you have a good rest of your holiday, and um, you clip, you're glad you're not in you Christchurch today because it's uh, shit and uh, it's raining. <laughs> it's different kind a bad weather. <laughs> uh,
2: it's nice to hear a couple of kiwis,
1: though. Crikey. Missed it. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing, y'all? <laughs> awesome.
2: Thanks. Uh, I'm indeed. good at
1: you, all <laughs> <laughs> have,
0: a Thanks, good rest, have a good rest Thank of you. your holiday. So interesting stuff there, Jombo.
1: Yeah, crazy situation, and well, it's just a, a bit, bit of, of a bugger that... I, I don't know how they could have done it any better that's the problem like
0: we can give WTC a hard time and to be honest with the bike course being short we definitely did and it deserved that it was a bit of a hard situation mm. and it was unfortunate that they got told the race was off mm. you know like a Nadine situation it's like as she said if she knew they were going to be running once the weather cleared they would have nutritioned up they would have kind of been a bit wiser about the use of that time um,
1: but this is a dynamic situation you've got people spread over I don't know oh, how many laps imagine. it was 20 kilometres. And you, you've got your people at your aid stations, they're not being paid. They're they are yeah. being, they're they're, out they're, of you. They're, they're, you know. <laughs> Take this job and <laughs> so, shove it. <laughs> so I don't think, I don't know. I think the easy solution for them would have been races off, everybody go home, pack up, go home. Yeah. So it's the fact that people were able to carry on and do it. And again, we talk about the instances that Bevan's brought up in the past. If this was your one and done, yeah, then you still got to complete nine man. Yeah. Your time's not going to reflect what you did, but it probably actually does now. Yeah. Because that weight. That, that weight actually probably reflects now how people long on the bikes on the bike didn't bike. wait. They kept going, didn't they? At that <laughs> stage, I believe that people were on the bike, and that would have been pretty dangerous. And they are, uh, I think, I, I'm not sure if they got to complete the bike or not. But anyway, yeah, crazy situation. <clears throat> but what that led to is for Kona qualifying, becomes a bit messy. It threw a banana in the a chain. No, no, slip banana on the floor, John. What happened? So, what actually happened is, let's make sure I see if I can explain this correctly. <laughs> Good is luck. If you didn't have. 10 people in your age group across the finish line by the time the race got suspended. They went back to the previous timing, mat. So the closest to the finish? Closest to the finish. That 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 10 people had gone past? Yes. Okay. And so what that meant is, in some age groups, you know, they might be going back to the 22-mile mark. Yeah. Even this is for Kona slots, not for finish times and stuff like that. And some, some, of the, some of the slower ones, it might have even been before that, like the 19, and I think there was one at the 12-mile the mark in the run. So what that did, in effect, was heavily penalise the people that are good runners.
2: Yeah. Uh, and
0: to be honest, it's, let's be honest, you win your age group in the last 10K of the race, don't you? Exactly. You know, like those are where the slots really get determined. So yeah. for some age groups where it was further back, you kind of, it was, it's just unfair, but it's kind of it, how can you be fair?
1: It is. And there's, there's definitely some circumstances, and you hear, hear what Nadine said about the guy Roger Canham. I think he was in the 50 to 54. He finished the race, uh, sixth. in 6th place so he's thinking he's got the slot yep. but then uh, they had to go back because by the time they suspended the race they did not have 10 people finish in that age group so they went back to the 22 mile mark and at that place he was in 7th place there were 6 slots so effectively he's missed out on a slot
0: now that, in that category there it seems a bit weird that they would have had the 10 rule mm. because they already had 6 across the line mm. you know what so, I mean like, like, I suppose you make a rule and maybe the rule has to go across all categories but in this mm. situation, you'd go, well, the six guys had finished, mm. so why wouldn't we just give it to the
1: six? Yeah. It does sound like, though, from the, the email that they sent out, is if you did want to appeal and debate this, then they're open to that and I do wonder if they're going to miraculously find a few spots on the pier for those few instances like Roger and i I looked through the results very quickly and it looked like saying some of the women's 50 to 54 or something like that. There were some demon runners and some of those swim bikers went backwards pretty quick but their marker might have been the 12 mile marker and there's a pretty big difference between 12 and 26 miles. So hopefully they're going to rectify this and... um, yeah, I think some people are getting very fired up about this this matter. I kind of think the way they did it actually is probably the f- a fairish way of doing it, and I can't think of a better solution off the top of my head. The problem is, there's no perfect
0: way. No, you know what I mean? Like, it is a very difficult situation. Um, so
1: I think overall, <clears throat> WTC did. As good a job as you could yeah, expect in a, in, a, in a shitty situation. Still think the bike course being short sure was a bit of a stuffer. That, that was that was pretty shit. And people like Nadine said, you know, go back to the race. Thought it was a really cool experience. So. And also
0: the bike course was marked out very well. Although I did get a photo through from Andrew Jackson, uh, Wolverine, mm-hmm. and uh, he was just saying that he showed me a photo of the pros on the bike course. Did you mm-hmm. see that? Did I send it through to you? No. Oh, it was pretty crazy. Like, it was on public roads, yeah. and cars are just lined up <clears throat> along. And I'll find the photo. It was pretty crazy. Um, and so you kind of wondered about safety, but we haven't heard anything about that after the fact. Mm-hmm. Also, apparently, the crowds were pretty brilliant. Mm-hmm. So, basically, let me have a look at Jackson. You're right, right? <clears throat> You're dying on me,
1: mate. Just dying on you. Just dying on me. Okay, wait a second. Into the, pro, into the pro race, uh, pretty exciting in terms of we've got a new... Champion who first up race goes out there and smashes it out of the park and takes home US thirty thousand dollars. So a guy called Patrick Lang and I've never heard of him before. <laughs> and the reason I haven't heard of him before because he's, he hasn't done an Ironman. So he went out there, swam forty eight fifty seven. The bike time was three thirty nine. That was we know that's not accurate. But then he banged out a two forty oh one. Oh yeah, that's pretty dodge. And <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, it was Matthew Jackson, um, Matt Russell. So that Patrick Lang was his first race, Iron Distance race that he's done. He's done a bunch of seventy point threes before and done reasonably well. He's been around for quite a while. Used to do short course stuff for Germany, um, but he's got um, Ferris as his coach. And yeah. it sounded like he went he has out. He's
0: done 12 70.3s and had four podiums. Right. So so he's he's done okay as a pro, but definitely this was a step up. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And. Yeah, and went with Ferris out and did a few weeks in the desert somewhere and has come out and got himself an automatic cone slot. So no validation required. He's he's off to Kona. Well, Stuckwitz was 14 and a half minutes off the bike in front. That's pretty impressive. It was On a it. short bike ride. On a
0: short, yeah, that's it, said on a short bike. And yeah, like Jordan Rapp. Yeah. You know, Rapp's a good rider. So like, yeah, you, you know, far out. But unfortunately, he pinched his, his nerve in his back halfway through the ride, run. So he was about six and a half minutes in the lead when mm. he pitches I and mean, was pretty much halfway
1: so it was a good race mm. um, but he basically had to start walking straight away but yeah it sounded pretty pretty, pretty. I'm, I'm really impressed with these run times given it sounded like it was very very hot so Matt Russell finished in second place with a with an excellent 248 marathon he's having a sensational season he came out here to New Zealand and did Wanaka and um, Taupo had a couple of great results there and then he's backed up here again so he's on fire and especially when he's giving up Eight minutes or so in the swim to, to get up and, and over on the top of these guys was uh, was pretty impressive. And then Terenzo Bozzoni was in third place um, with a 2.52 marathon. So it's a good result for Terenzo, but I still think he can run faster than that.
0: Yeah, especially because it was, it was a mm. kind of slower bike or less bike, but mm. still, you know, just a good result. And let's get trends. Are kind of
1: Chris McDonald up. up there in seventh. So Justin Deere free to the show. Chris got McDonald Ford, in seventh place. Uh, Callum Millwood didn't have such a good race down there. Only a three hundred one marathon and pretty, yeah, just a bit of an average day at the office for him. Might just give him enough points to get to to Kona. Anika Lanos was only in thirteenth place. He's got enough points there, hasn't he? Because he to validate didn't Yeah, you? Jordan Rapp dropped all the way down to 20th place. Richie Cunningham was down there in 22nd. Matt Hanson apparently was running in third place at one stage and then must have completely detonated or injured himself because <laughs> he ended up in 23rd place. And uh, as we said, Starkowitz was out. Don't know what happened to Nils Fromholm, but he didn't uh, finish. He only rode a 3.44 compared to a lot of the guys riding in the 3.30s. Uh, equally, Michael Weiss was there, and he had a... Very poor race as well. So, poor yeah. Patrick
0: Lane. He said, Running has always been my top strength in the triathlon, but often I just don't have the legs to show it all. At the race, my legs were flying. I was running 20 seconds a k faster than we had planned, and it just felt great out there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a cool place to be. Eh? Yeah, we're going 20 seconds a k at that pace. You know, for guys going that fast, that is. You know, that's pretty impressive. Um, absolutely, that, that, that's, that's just that day that we all dream of as an athlete. One thing they did say in in the notes that you sent through about the race. Now, who? Was, let me pull these up here. There was a bit of a laugh. They gave an uh, what was it? Here, let's have a look here. Honorable mention. Honorable mention. Matt
1: Hansen, who went from third to twenty third.
0: But did they give you his case? split no, this one here. Um, oh, I haven't got it in front of me. Someone ran. Was it Matt Hansen who ran? Yeah, 1.5 mile and a 5.22 pace. That's pretty sensational. (laughs) It was pretty (laughs) smoky.
1: On the girl side of things, Julia Geiger took it out, swam 54, rode 401 and then ran a 308. Second and third place girls impressive couple of sub three hour splits. Comparing that to the guys, that's pretty impressive. So we had Jody Roberts Robertson from the states in second, Lisa Roberts from the states in third, in 8.16 and eight sixteen and eight seventeen. What Torsten was saying on try rating, he sort of did a few calculations and estimated that the guys' times would have been sub eight, and uh, the girls would have been sub nine had it been a, an accurate course. So yeah, good racing. Well, lots to talk about
0: it would be interesting to see how it goes
1: next year. Mm. And will they be able to get the bike course? Do you think it was a true championship race? Oh, absolutely not. Oh, no. when you can't have a full bike course, no. And the standard of the field was um, good and strong, but you didn't have many sort of top 10 Kona athletes there.
0: Why not? But I don't...
1: God knows. Because it's a good know. time of year. Mm.
0: You but know, like if you look at these guys now, they're, they're qualified. Like Terence is qualified now. You know, these guys are <clears> done. They... Good and early, got plenty mm-hmm. of time to get ready for Kona.
1: You also got to think these days, though, remember that if you finish in the top 10 in Kona, it really is a case of, of validating mm. these days. So you don't actually need to go to the big championship races if you did. don't want to. Sorry? Oh, well, Nico did. Don't know about him. Yeah, but he, he chose to go there. Yeah. But you don't need to. No. So, so, like, Fredino this weekend is going to go and do Lanzarote because yeah. he doesn't need the points. If you finish in top 10 in Kona, you can go anywhere. You just got to validate. Mm. We also had Ultraman Australia, second ever on last weekend, and friend of the show, Arnold Sulikov, took the race out. Oh, there you go. Which is fantastic. So he, um, <coughs> oh, excuse me, <coughs> he did day one, he swam Fertitious. 243 and then biked 417 for a total time of seven hours and 50 minutes. And then day two, he rode the 273 kilometres in 8.06 and then on day three he did this double marathon in 7.18 for a total time, 22 hours, 25 minutes and 57 seconds and that's about a a 16 minute victory over second place, it was Tim Franklin and then Juan Bastita Ariel was in third place and then on the girls side of things you had Chloe Lane take it out uh, in 25 hours and 34 minutes which was a crushing near near four hour victory or three and a half hour victory over Kelly Ridges and oh Melissa Erie yeah, yeah third place yeah I got third place nice work yeah Good old have, flatmate of mine. She came over and did
0: uh, our I Am Talk camp. That's why she got through place, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. That weekend of hardcore training in Christchurch
1: just mm. topped her up to the next level. And Arnold sent me over a bit of an email, said, what a great event these Ultraman races are. Such a different way to be able to... Um, rely on a team and the friendship between competitors, teams, organisation is not a joke and even as a leader from day one I had incredible support from my closest competitors and their teams, unbelievable in a world, uh, world controlled by Iron Man we've been lucky with the weather beautiful days mild breezes just nice temperatures 10k swim is a freaking long way and no matter how you look at it i started too fast and then got passed by a guy at the 6k mark and then the leading woman a kilometer later um, the last two k's were agony okay. swim time was two hours 43 third out of the water started easy on the bike with an eight minute 30 deficit Um, on the leader and then gradually picked up the pace caught him with three k's to go it's a well paced ride Uh, got the course record for one um, for day one by one minute I think it was and then day one bike record by four minutes or so Day two, plan to stick with the leader and hopefully break them in the last 100. But plan went to hell after 15 k's. I broke the pack and then TT'd on my own for the remaining 255 kilometres. End of day two, I was leading by 10 minutes on second and a bit more than an hour and third. For the run, I trained for the 9-1 run walk being um, his sort of method and then was not, but not being relaxed about second guy being just 10 minutes down i took off with the eventual winner of day three and ran on my own the whole way went through the half the marathon and 328 and total run time was 718. 328's pretty solid yeah Uh, so he faded by about sort of 20 odd minutes in the second half but that's still it's pretty good by ultraman standards all legs were uh were incredibly hilly and mostly on new zealand standard roads meaning they were a bit rough very, very happy to get the win today. Without doubt, the highlight of my sporting life, absolutely over the moon. I think it probably ranks second, though. I know he said that was the highlight, mm. but I'm just going to think that perhaps... You're actually,
0: you're actually overruling his own feelings. Yes, yeah, I of am. Of course you are.
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this is a new special. <laughs> <laughs> he did win the wetsuit aquathon special oh, come on that's gotta be ago. the highlight he was only wearing a spring suit yeah. but he did, did win yeah he's uh, like an iron man texas competitor. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh so maybe at day maybe he forgot about that and this actually ranks second he got yep. just a bit carried away yeah. in the moment got a bit silly Got a bit silly after winning Ultraman australia <laughs> yeah so well done arnold great victory and uh it just sounds like these Ultraman races are a real i mean i know challenge that's a family thing and Ironman well, i mean g- because
0: i did coast to coast years ago and um and there is that thing about allowing people to support you that kind of brings that camaraderie mm. more. You know, I mean, you know, the journey is the single individual's journey. But when you do these races where people can get involved, I don't know this is an inclusion point, eh? And as you're saying, the team's going to hang out. And I don't know it does make it special for it that d- reason. It doesn't
1: seem like it's still be competitive, but you're not trying to crush your rivals because yeah. you're, you're all out there doing this pretty crazy thing. So it sounds like a really well run event again by Craig and the guys over there. So uh, nice Keep work. Up.
0: Uh, is happening this weekend Jombo I'm going to put the heater on, you're a bit cold? Oh, yeah I'm yeah. a bit cold, I've
1: got my merino on. on and everything and I'm still cold put the heater on. So last um, last year at this race we had Alexander Giuseppe take it out in 8.56 from Christian Kramer and Mario Birch, the girls uh, Dana Reisler took it out And but what what's different about this race now at Lanzarote it's a 2,000 point race but it's only $25,000 prize pool Oh, really? Which is uh, that's appalling. They've pulled a pretty bloody good field, given they've only got twenty five thousand dollars prize purse in total. So, Jan Fredino's going there to clip so the what ticket. What want to get then? Twenty five k in total. So it's <clears> twelve and a half each. I've got that saved somewhere, but I can. It's it'll be like three three rand or something like that. Wow. It's pretty it's insignificant. But then going back to my point before is if you've got a top ten in Kona, you really need to go and validate. It's a cool race to go and do and uh, it's a hard race to do a validation but you could do easier
0: races you could
1: but kind of fun yep. uh, so Jan Frodeno's down to race as is Timo Bracht and Ivan Rana Jesse Thomas is also down um, we haven't heard of Ivan Rana in a while have we no and David McNamee so that's five big hitters you've got there yeah you know that's you could argue that that, that, that top five is, is stronger than what they would have had the in uh, the North American Championships and then it's a big field on, in terms of the pros you've probably got about I don't know, 40 to 45 guys. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Jan Fredino, um plays it out because Timo Brack is no slouch, so he's not just going to be able to roll around the course and beat those dudes. If he wants to win it, he's going to have to go reasonably hard. Mm. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see how you, how that sort of pans out. Um, well, last year, the winner was
0: So we will be interesting to see what the race winner does this year. You know, if you've got a bit of a stellar field there
1: Quite a weather-dependent course Yeah. Um, then on the girls' side of things You've got Diana Reisler um, Caroline Jeff. Livesley in there And uh, yeah, but there is a bunch of people That did the North American Champs Also listed on the start list So, so There's only 10 girls down So um, probably less with the, you know
0: Mm-hmm. So interesting to see what happens in the MROs. Okay, Jumbo, uh, we had Yokohama happening last weekend, and the ITU John's ITU update. What happened it's, there?
1: It's going to be a week update because I haven't actually watched the race. But we had a <clears throat> good victory there by Mario Mola, running twenty nine twenty six. But quite a few guys ran twenty nine. So do you think it's short? I don't know. I, I sincerely hope it's not because ITU is our. Uh, yeah, you think at this level they, can get they should be right. able to get it right because the girls' times look bloody
0: fast as well. But because the uh, basically the top eight guys went sub twenty sub thirty mm which oh. does seem a bit fast to me, but Assistants up to a up
1: to a thirty o five I wouldn't have thought so, but um Maybe, but maybe we're wrong. Bloody hell, man! These dudes—the standard these days at ITU is pretty exceptional. And so the fact that you've got Mario Mola running 26th, and then only—you know—down at tenth place is only thirty seconds off that. Uh, it's, it's competitive racing. I didn't watch the race, so I don't know quite how it panned out. Mario Mola took it out from Cristiano Grajales from Mexico yeah. and Christian. Blomfeld from Norway. It's such a United Nations of countries these days. ITU. It's just great that we have actually got a really competitive international sport now, which is great. Okay. Was this a big race? It's a World Championship Series. So, but you know, it's it's the last race qualifying for the Olympics for for countries. So I saw that the Americans have named their team now as well. Um, so uh, all the countries now have their slot allocations, and uh, yeah, so it was important in that regard but a number of the big hitters um, were not there. You He know, didn't have the Brownies there. Gomez is yet to, to show his face. So girls side things. Gwen Jorgensen seems to be uh, back up to speed, and she just crushed the girls out there by you know, over a minute on the run, taking that out from Ashley Gentle and A. Ueda from Japan. Andrew. Well, they had a good
0: little sprint, but it was, it was <laughs> interesting because I was actually at the gym, and it was on when I was at the gym. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, and uh, Gwen was just miles of road. But then the, the Ashley and A, is yeah. that I? I have a-, see, a. Ueda? I. I think it's AU Ada. Well, because it's good. One Jim spells it there when she says I. Oh, right, well. she's yeah. Okay. But anyway. Um. <coughs> But anyway, yeah. So they we're coming for a sprint, but the, the the Japanese girl was killing herself. Oh yeah. <laughs> you go. This could be an exciting finishing, but you're looking in her face. You go. Nah, this Aussie girl's taking her out. Yeah. <laughs> but team points for effort, man. She was doing this one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she runs about like that. Anyway.
0: Oh, yeah, the grimace was on the face, and the <laughs> other girl just looked like a rock, you know. So it was good times.
1: Holy moly, Bevan! You you slotted a news item in here that I haven't seen. Well, I know. It was I was just on slow twitch. I always
0: kind of just do a quick, quick look at slow. Twitching in that before the, before you turn up. And uh, Sophie goo has been stabbed while training. So basically, Belgium triathlete Sophie Goos was stabbed in the back while training in the park in uh, Antwerp uh, in Belgium. You've seen a reporter Goo, who races for BMC. Ethics. Ethics. Pro triathlon team reportedly lost a lot of blood and even chased after the Predator after she realized what had happened. She's now an intensive care unit at the ZNA. Southernberg Hospital, where she has been treated for kidney injury and blood loss. Bloody hell!
3: I know. How bad is that? That is insane. I was stabbed by
0: an unknown man without reason, cause or motive. Stabbed in the lower back and lost a lot of blood. She posted on Facebook last night. So, just our thoughts go out to Sophie. Hopefully, you're, hopefully you're fine and there's no oh, yeah. long term implications for this mm. because um, schmuck God, there's some hopeless people in the world. Ah, mm. oh. in the life, Sophie. That Send is in the crazy. Love. Okay, this week's discussion it was a pretty much response so. well,
1: i reckon we've done it before but there was a couple of gold responses there here. was a
0: couple of gold responses
1: so the, the the topic was bevan wanted to know uh you know of the product or training aids it's out like that there when
0: it came out it was sold and we were like yep this is going to change things and a year later no one's using it mm. so
1: rich coleman put a good one up there Spinergy Revex wheels innovative design and quite light arrows but eventually banned by the uci so why were they banned they were pretty lethal because they, they were basically a, a, a wheel with um, was it four sort of blades going yeah, out. So because they were around when I first started. Mm. Yeah. But the problem was those little carbon blades were pretty sharp. Oh, so it was like a and, knife, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. So if you came off, then and oh. somebody's arm or finger or something went in there it's it was i think going to be pretty lethal not that it wouldn't be lethal with a spoked wheel and stuff either yeah. but uh these things um you could probably almost get your bloody well, you could get your arm in there i don't know what they could do to you but um yeah they got banned but they, they and were apparently were
0: the most reliable wheel
1: uh right well the yeah, rich has got a picture here of, <laughs> of a dude with uh, the spokes banged out of them so i mean with, with a lot of wheels if you crash on them you're gonna blow them out but maybe that maybe they weren't super reliable
0: Okay, Arnold, uh, how is this name? Sulikov Who won Ultraman Australia last weekend Yes, there was a lot on this picture uh, But these saddles were all the rage in the early 90s weighed, weighed a ton and were locked you in better than handcuffs So basically it's like a seat
1: Yeah Did you ever see these? No, I don't recall seeing these He's got a picture of one of those sort of cheetah type bikes As we haven't said, it's like your standard sort of seat but Then Pressing it's got a, a big, big bit. bit up the back God so, knows why. So just a, Maybe you could push back on it and it would give you a bit more sort of force there. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, well, again,
0: one of those things that everyone thought was going to change the world didn't. Uh, Lawrence gay got the balance band was the craze in the France in 2010. It worked like a word of mouth wife's tale. Someone's aunt had a bad knee, started wearing the band and was running around the block uh, pain-free for the next day. On top of this, there was the constant zoning zooming on athletes' wrists. Wearing the band at track and field meets uh, TV transmissions. My mum got me one. Granted, it looked pretty trendy. As for valid science behind it, apart from fat endorsements from famous athletes, non-existent at the time. So no
1: science, but those things work for a lot of people. Well,
0: not, no, but the thing was the test work. The te- yeah, yeah, but then they yeah. believed the test and then they carried on. Yeah, because the thing about it was, it was the testing was, even if you didn't have it on, kind of worked as well. Yeah. And so that was the thing about it, was the test just sold it. Yes. And, uh, yeah, but they actually lost a lot of money. Oh, yeah, no, I know they got that. sued, didn't they?
1: Yeah, but it seemed to work for quite a lot of people. Yeah, again, the test. Yeah, it yeah. was it was crazy. Uh, Rich Coleman I remember Speedo this, this is gold is cold. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been on our Facebook page I remember Speedo you've got to go look at this. marketing these back in the 90s as the next big, big thing did for you swimmers even, did you ever them I don't even recall seeing these combined swim caps with, uh, with internal goggles what's and so they've got this picture of these two girls, and yeah, it's a swim cap that kind of comes over your face, and it's got the goggles built into it. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> They're <That. laughs>
0: like aliens. Oh. Why? Why
1: <laughs> I just don't understand the logic of that. I mean, because when you're doing a swim set you take your goggles off a bit to yeah. just get some water but in there. Even and
0: just keeping the seal under here, what, what, I'm not quite sure, was it? I'd love to know the why they thought it was a good oh, move. If anybody yeah.
1: knows any speeder, who came up with that design? I would love to pull that out at like an epic camp. You <laughs> <know>. oh, <yeah. laughs> Ned, you know. Imagine having to imagine doing the Blue 70 wetsuit aquathon. Oh, the period absolute cult. Oh, yeah. How to lose friends. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ken, Ken Welsh 650 bike wheels they've certainly disappeared and K-Swiss running shoes well we're so with those they were giving those
0: away at Kona one year but well, the K-Swiss
1: they? running shoes are very much a mesh shoe weren't they and yeah, you was know
0: what that's what running shoes have gone to mm. you mm. know they were kind of if anything They were ahead of their
1: time Brian Lefayre's got a good one Gatorade yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. is Gatorade is still around though isn't it well, uh, no, that was, Cause 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 I, was I walked past you... the supermarket the other day and they had a Gatorade stand
0: Well, it's, it's not New Zealand thing yeah. I think Gatorade is Powerade is Coke owned by whatever. yeah, so yeah. same company. So but Gatorade's
1: still big in, in the states. You're going yeah, get it, it is.
0: From, yeah. yeah. But um, but what was interesting this week? One of the PR kind of things we got from WTC was that Beachbody uh, you now their supplement supplier. Yeah. Now Beachbody is a group fitness company, right. so they do P ninety X and um. Uh, insanity they've, you know quite a few big kind right. of video brands and, and into gyms and stuff but they actually where they make most of their money is through supplements so they mm. sell a lot of supplements and they actually kind of do that direct marketing with instructors which is very interesting um, but it's interesting they've jumped on to WTC and I wonder if that means anything for the Gatorade relationship mm. WTC has so it would be interesting moving forward John any, anything you have to add to that
1: oh, I think I'm, when we came up with this topic a few weeks ago I mentioned a couple of things and I've got to try to remember what they were Oh that's right, the adjustable seat that went forward and back, um, depending on when you're on your TT bike, if you're climbing you'd, you'd press a button and it would sort of go back to, so you get your weight on the back of your seat and then when, you get, when you're TTing on the flat you know a lot of triathletes sort of get to the tip of their seat so that with this one though you could actually make the seat come forward mid-ride, never really took off. Um, the other thing that used to be around as well, you used to have this hydration system where you'd have a... Uh, uh, a bit like you have the straw up between your aero bars these days with like the profile type bottles, which are really good. You used to have this sort of um, wetsuit material pouch that would go behind your seat and then the tube would go all the way along your top tube and then pop up there. Um, but there was a few cases of those getting well, a little bit
2: the, hot and exploding.
1: the the, the, the um, fluid in the bike. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: Specialized brought that back with that new bike they brought it a few years ago, didn't they? Yes, they I did, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so those would be the, be the main ones. Yeah. This week though. This week's discussion, what are we doing, John? Well I thought it was interesting when I picked up that they have 3,000 competitors doing Ironman Texas. Texas. It just sounded like a crazy amount out there. And no doubt there was a shitload of drafting. You just can't no. not have drafting when you got that many people. Is there a place though for mass participation Ironmans where you might say have five to 10,000 people and it is more of a just get out there and do it. You, don't, you obviously can have drafting because we've got so many bike events you know, where you have mass participation, five to 10,000 yeah, people, it's doable. and it, it's doable. But could we make that work in triathlon? Or, or is that so you're tri- saying uh, drafting
0: goes out the back door with this Drafting of goes out the back door, yeah. So you, and, you, in, and in this fact, is drafting
1: the limited to growing triathlon? Uh, and, and, and the s- swim safety, I guess. Uh, and transition it's a rolling starts so. yeah but that's, that's the thing so it would be very much a rolling start you just kind of like they do at the moment at some races ease into the swim um, have a pretty relaxed sort of cut off time and stuff well, I suppose you'd still need to have the 17 hour cutoff, but it's just just a real low attitude not low attitude um, relaxed environment drafting on the bike <clears throat> and, and whole street on the run, so you yeah. can use a whole street yeah. or puff So path. a bit like what we have with, with marathons and stuff. Is it possible? Is it not practical? What are your sort of thoughts on I, it?
0: I, I reckon maybe the question is, when does it happen? Mm. Because in some ways, if you think about it, it totally changes Ironman. And it's a different mm. kind of race. But it is one way of getting more people to, to the races. Mm. So, okay. So is there a place? And if so, tell us why. And if not, tell us why. Jumbo, sponsor.
1: Athelinks.com.
0: Uh, let's honor the back of the field, John.
1: Well I did this, Because again I'm probably harping on about how there's 3,000 people at this race and maybe it's not a new thing but I just find that there's a crazy amount of people f- to crazy. be doing in an Ironman and so I went to, uh, to athlinks.com, went on to Ironman Texas website and actually had a look at uh, last year's results um, and on there they had uh, around about 2,200 finishes which is which is which is a lot um and w- fortunately, a couple of the last fin- I, w- I was surprised the number of people that were touching that seventeen hour barrier, so' nor- had a short bike oh this last year last year oh, okay so you know normally you, you have only have a handful, but here you know they've got pages of people that were in the uh sixteen fifties pages of people wow, well, I'm scrolling up this there's, there's quite a lot wow. so starts at twenty two 100 and whoever was 2200th was 1648 and then there was another sort of 35 or so after that but Mike Radonga Radonga. Radonga. was in 2231st place with a 1655 he was in the 55 to 59 age group and then you can go off and see that Mike has actually done Man significantly better than that, it's actually been 13.32. So good on you Mike for hanging in there and finishing finishing the Ironman. So we often go to athletics and think oh who was the fastest finishers and... Uh and what have they sort of done in the past. But for you guys that are mid to back of the Packers or wanting to try your first Ironman, um, you can go in there and sort of check out also the tail end of the field. And there's plenty of people on Athlinks there. Go and suss them out, sort of see what their background is and uh, what you've got to do to be able to finish in that sort of time range across maybe half Ironmans, Olympic distance and stuff like that. So check it out on com. And one other thing that I did, I popped them an email yesterday, yeah, because I did go to sign my kids up for at Athlinks and they had a, th- a 13 year old. Oh, so you uh, get them younger. Yeah, but they had a 13 year old restriction. Yeah, so you need yeah. to be 13 or over. So I said, Troy, sort it out. So I'll wait and see what he says. Yeah, it's I, true
0: because you can get your kids' stuff in there. Mm, you, you could do it as a parent. Near the 21st, don't give them a gift. to say, hey, I've signed you up for this Exactly. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so if you're over 13, get, on, get yourselves on athletics.com. And if you're looking to do some research on. Maybe if you're stepping up a distance, going to most races around the world, you'll find them on there and you can scroll down and there's all sorts of people that have got all their race history up there. So check it out, Athlinks.com.
0: Okay, Athlinks.com. Okay, stats-tastic. It's, it's fantastic. fantastic. Mike the Faber Farber Fox sent through this really great one, John. I was saying a few while a while ago when we got that ten year anniversary, I was saying, I wonder how many how many how many how much content we've created in our time. Mm. And he did the
1: homework. Well done. Well done, Mike. Right now, Mike.
0: So what have he got here, John?
1: He has got that, according to iTunes, we have done, and this was a couple of weeks ago. He did this on the in April. Thirty-one point two days of IM Talk—that's so continuous listening. My God, that would be punishment. Eight hundred to get eleven hours to do.
0: and twelve minutes of podcasting, and that's including two point six days of Legends as well.
1: Eight hundred—that's so your stat for this week. Eight hundred eleven hours and twelve minutes of podcasting.
0: We average over one hour and thirty-six minutes per week on average. Which is pretty good I, I think the more, the real challenge is Who can sit
1: for a month <laughs> In 31.2 days Take a
0: month off work Yeah And you're not allowed to sleep And you listen to John Do you think you'd be insane by the end of that John? You'd have to be Yeah, yeah you would be
1: You would intimately know the two of us I wonder I, I
0: think I do wonder as an old Oh John you are right about the snow Oh yes Yep snow on the peak of the mountains Um when I'm an old man I think I'll go back and listen to all the old shows you know? <laughs> right. you know when I'm an old man because in some when ways you, for us it's a um, you know it's kind of a history of our life in a way isn't it mm. you know so good times so thanks that, that and yeah you there you go control yep. through your athletes yep, there we Perfect go file. okay John we've got an interview Mecca's on they've got the team starting in pora so have a bit of a quick chat to Mecca about that mm. let's get him on here he is right now just before I put it on, actually, we did have a few technical problems with Skype, so I'll edit it as best I can, but um, there might be a few kind of funny little edit points. So here we go. Here's Macca.
1: Okay, guys, so we've got Chris Macca-McCormick back on the show to discuss a few things around what's going on in Pora and always good to get his opinions on a bunch of other things. So welcome back to the show, Macca. Oh,
4: thank you. It's been a long time. This work yes. thing's overrated. It was much much more fun when you're an athlete. So you might
1: like pl- sounds like you've been doing plenty of training.
4: Yeah, I haven't been doing enough, so I've committed myself to some big events at the end of the year. I'm going to do that Altillo race, which is a big swim-run race in Sweden, which has got me back out training today. So I was a little late for the show, so I do apologise. How, how,
0: um, how, how are you finding where exercise is no longer the priority?
4: Um, I must admit I, I, I have a, a much better bigger respect for the amateur athlete because I, I definitely i've said it a few times i was definitely one of those until you you get a full-time job you never really appreciate it so i was one of those pros to go around and talk at tri clubs and tell amateur athletes it was all about balancing time and time management and mate oh, i didn't know what the hell i was talking about because until you, until you have a job and and balance that with family and then try and fit the training in and understand the fatigue that comes with with work you can't truly appreciate it so you know, I, I am the true amateur athlete at the moment, you know, juggling 50, 60 hours of work around a, around a family and, and and trying to just get some training in. So uh, I can appreciate just how difficult the amateurs take it and how difficult it is for them. So it's uh, yeah, it's definitely been a transition, that's for sure.
1: Now, um, obviously, uh, you're still based in in Puket at Tanyapora, um, and we see that you've we, we had on the show a few weeks ago that you had a new team coming out, and that's now officially been announced. So, I guess when we see different teams around the world, you know, we've got in the past we had Try Dubai, which had lots of rock stars on. it. Obviously, Bahrain thirteen um, has has got you know rock stars on it then you've got different different sorts of teams with guys like marino and the bmc team and so on this is obviously quite a different team so what's what's the objective and what are you trying to achieve here
4: Yeah, you know, i think um you know what i you know this time of year for a lot of athletes it's it's the end of olympic qualification and there's a lot of not disgruntled athletes but there's a lot of young pros that tend to walk away and go what do i do with myself now they've come out of certain structures and and i was one of those pros back in the day and you know, we we started the Bahrain endurance team two years ago. You know, I had the luxury of being having a, a very nice budget and being able to lock out the world's best. And and that's when you look at that top echelon of athletes, they're already super established, you know. And then you realise there's a there's no feeder within this sport to any any way up. It's basically you're on your own, you take your chances, or and with, without much money at all, and and you try and have a crack and do it. And it's becoming much more difficult to do as the sport grows horizontally around the world. I think there's a lot, you know, it dilutes the actual ability to make money and it dilutes the ability for athletes to to come out of a system and, and sustain themselves overseas.
1: Cool. So you're really just saying that a lot of the athletes have kind of lost their direction or sort of wondering where they're going to go when they get yeah. come out of maybe a development system and then they don't quite know what to do and there's no, they don't have that backing of the national body anymore.
4: Yeah, and not just that, it's become very, very difficult for young athletes in that late 20s. They've, they've sort of run through that ITU system or they've, they've tried to make the jump across to Ironman. And back in the day, like when I made the jump in '02, and I hate talking about the old days, but there wasn't so many events. The prize money pool was just as big as it is now, mm-hmm. but it was split mm-hmm. amongst 15, 20 events around the world. So you could actually be successful in a few events, get some backing on your own, and that success was warranted for sponsors. I've met athletes now that have won five or six 70.3s. I've never heard of them, right? Mm-hmm. Where back in the day, you could win a wildflower, bank you're a your, your rock star. Cameron Whiteoff did it for years. So mm-hmm. it's become very, very difficult for a young athlete to, to get that leg up. So we have the resources here in Tanyapora in the sense we've got amazing training facilities. We've got some great coaches here. And I was talking with Aaron, and I've always wanted to do something more, you know, for where I can. We've got the resources to do it. So I said, let's just... Offer an opportunity for some kids to come across. We'll fund everything, their food, accommodation, all their training. Give them a head start to, to race here in Asia. Everyone in the past has always looked at America and Europe as the two bastions of racing. But mm. with the shift of Ironman across to China and the growing the growing wave of, of triathlon in this part of the world, this is becoming a, an untapped hub and you're giving these kids the opportunity to race branded events, good money in yeah, i call them more diluted and, and softer fields, if you like, mm. but give them the chance to learn their craft before they make the big jump across to Europe. And I ultimately think within the next five or six years, Europe and America won't be the places to go because the money and the wealth is within Asia. And if you don't see that as a, as a young pro, you're blind. You're just copying what the guys did in the past, and it's becoming more and more difficult to succeed there. So, Mecca, mm-hmm. is,
0: is it altruistic or is, you know, because obviously for Tanya poor you probably want to get some promotion in it, but why, what's the motivation for you guys to do this?
4: Well, uh, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's a branding exercise, a big marketing exercise, and to be honest, it's, it, it's little. We could spend the money a lot better somewhere else, and mm-hmm. it, it's not so expensive. We've already spent $100 million on the resort, on the facilities. We've got beautiful villas down the road that are empty, so we know the owner, and we it, really the cost to us wasn't huge. And I, I honestly think that type of, of, of program, we've got a, a United World College, which is the Olympic champion of schools, on our doorstep, we just became a UWC. So I wanted to show kids my kids' age this pathway to the top. We get I, I bring all the Bahrain guys through our centre, which is the Fredinos, the Gomez's, these guys. So you've seen the top of the top. We've got a young, a young high-performance program head by Paul Amy with 12- to 16-year-old kids through there. But there's no middle, right? So I, I just really wanted to show kids the opportunity to pass all the way through. And in Asia, they just don't have a sports culture. Mm-hmm. So unless they see it, you, they're never going to understand it. We, we in Australia or the States and New Zealand, you just understand that because it's ingrained in us, but they don't have that here. And that's fundamentally the problem with, with growing sport this in this part of the world. You're never going to get it until you create these pathways. So for us, it was, it was a no brainer. I, I just approved it. Aaron, I talked about it for a while. And I said, let's just pull the trigger and do it. We'll put out some applications. Here's what you want to do. Come across, we'll pick seven athletes, which we did. And, uh, wanted one to be Thai, and uh, we'll hook you up and look after you while you prep, prep for world championships in, in Australia or for races around here, and we can show you how it's done. We'll give you access to, to some of the Bahrain team that comes through our centre so you can see how they do it. And anything you need is there. We've got physio, chiro, food's great. Everything's there. And so you get a pro experience for a short period of time, a true pro experience. You get to see that from the top end, and you get to see the youth coming through underneath you that reminds you that this doesn't last forever so you've got to get it right now and that's important for all pros was, was there a
0: was so shitload to... of interest Oh, sorry was there a shitload of interest oh we got
4: yeah yeah we got uh over 60 uh applications really? from all over the world and it was it was really cool to be honest like it was you know i sat down with aaron we didn't know 90 percent of the people there was a few familiar names that we we recognized but most of them we didn't know so we really went through and we spoke to a few on skype and we talked to them and it was a I felt like it was a job interview, but we, we we picked the ones we wanted just off the back of, really for me, it was listening to their passion. This is what I want to do. I've had these opportunities, but I've never, you know, I've never cashed them and never banked them. And I'm at that point in my life where it's now or never. And they're the type of, that's the type of mindset you want to bring into a program like this because they're, you know, the one thing about Asia it's it's a very very cheap place to live and there's a lot of distractions here you know like you can go off track so you want to make sure that the one athletes in here Bangkok. Are, <laughs> one night in Bangkok and it's true so it was uh, it was important that we were finding that right athlete that that had that headspace that was like look I I know this opportunity it's 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 a platform for me to potentially go go on and kick on and uh, I'd like to take it and so we did that.
1: So you got a couple of Kiwis in there, which is great. You got Amelia Watkinson and Bryce Mcmaster, who's half Kiwi, half Aussie. And I remember he's probably a classic athlete. Who he was in the New Zealand under twenty-three team when I was yes. coaching Tom Tom Davison. And uh, so he's one of those guys. He's a good athlete, but he wasn't going to quite, you know, crack the. Top ten, top twenty on the ITU World Championship series, but he still had a, a fair bit of talent. But then sort of fell by 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 the wayside. So, what what about the other um, athletes on the team? You got a couple of uh, sisters from Australia and a, yes. a guy that I haven't heard from of France, but he looks like he's got a pretty impressive pedigree.
4: Yeah, Anthony Costas, the Frenchman. He he was a he was a shock to us. He came along. He he wanted to spend time. Down in this part of the world to prep, he, he's been in the military over there. He's done his thing, and he's this year he's really focused on seventy point three, and he he qualified for world championships. So he said, "Look, why don't you come down here, prep with us? We've got a whole bunch of guys coming through, and uh, you can work out." And he, he jumped at the opportunity, which is very. You've spent some time in France. The French don't mm. travel, right? Mm. Which mm. which I, I took that was one of the main reasons I picked him when he when he came across when you meet a Frenchman like that who's prepared to travel, they, they remind me of Olivier Marceau and they go on to do great things, right? So I thought, you know what, if you're prepared to leave your country to comfort of the system you have over there, then you've got the right mindset. So Bryce is a guy we've seen for, for years and I'd been in contact with him via Facebook about 18 months ago. He reached out and saying, look, I, I really miss what I'm doing here and... Uh, you know, I feel like I've lost my way in the program and I've done a bit of university. I'd like to make my way back into sport and can I come up? And, and so when he, he threw himself at the opportunity. And I, I've always thought he was an underperforming talent. He was never going to be, uh, you know, like a, a, a Hamish Carter or a, a Bevan Doherty type talent. But he, he definitely came out of a Kiwi program in a very, very competitive yeah. era within New Zealand racing. So a lot of those athletes tend to get, you know, hidden. Their success gets hidden to some degree, and they don't feel as as good as what they probably can be if they're given a bit more support. So I said, "Look, mate, if you're prepared to jump on board, come across." And uh, he jumped at the opportunity. So they were, you know, they were the two guys in particular I really liked. We got a the Thai guy, who's 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 pretty solid, and then obviously the girls were were uh, were big picks for us. The twins were two girls out of Perth. They both wanted to come across together they have been racing quite well in Australia and they saw this as a big opportunity for them to compete. So um, it, was, it was an easy pick, you know, for us, to be honest. There was a lot of a lot of young guys out of Australia, which I thought were just a little too young to, mm. to jump up to the 70.3 distance. And uh, they just seemed a little bit apprehensive about living in Asia. You know, the questions are like, how good's the Wi-Fi? I'm like, dude, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm like, really? That's... Yeah, that's, that's the question. It's so I said there's been better Wi Fi around the world, but you know, those were the that was sort of the team we picked and we hope to grow it as it comes, you know, as as we as we get some momentum around it. It's a learning curve for us. And uh these are sort of like I hate saying guinea pigs, but these are sort of the athletes that have jumped on board and said I'd like to try and and uh ultimately here in Asia we'd like to speak with some of the big sponsors in the region because there's a hell of a lot of money here. Especially in Thailand, the singers and the Changs and these sort of Sort of business, sort of companies are throwing their money and weight behind marathon running and triathlon right now, and I think there's big opportunities if you can get the software right for for some of these young kids to to probably not even leave Asia if they don't want to, if they get it right here. So what are the requirements
1: um, for for the team in terms of what what do they need to be doing, and and do they have to come and base themselves there for the whole year, and what races do they specifically have to do?
4: Yeah, we gave them a we gave them six month contracts with options, right? So um we said look you come in we'll cover everything food accommodation all your training um you know all your massage physio everything we can we can cover at the center all the hardware we've already got in place but this is not a national program guys so you need mm. to you need to fund yourself to the races you got to go to we're gonna help you pick those races mentor you to that to picking them but they're ultimately your call and we'll push you to some degree and then there is no guarantee you hold your position in a team. It's, I, I don't want to be a national program where you breed, you know, you breed this this dependency on, on a program. I, I want them to take control of their career. I think that's that's important as well. Yeah. So we just take away a lot of the cost for them. But the, ultimately, the setting the goals, we help shape for them. The getting to events, we can connect them with the race directors. We can We can do all that with them. We're not doing it for them. And then ultimately they've got to go themselves to compete. There is no expectation from us at Tanyabura, but it, it, it's been quite clear that we'll provide the training environment, we'll provide the platform, we'll provide the coaches. If you need them, we'll provide provide everything. But you, if you don't want to perform or you don't fit the mould and you're not doing it, then you can easily be kicked out and someone else can come in because it's not a uh, it's 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 there to help you, not to 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 own you to some capacity, if that makes sense. So is
1: it some degree a bit like um, the Bahrain 13 where they'll, they'll race with Tanya Pora, but then they can have all their sort of independent sponsors on top of that?
4: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how we say so I think within our sport, you know, there's. I think fundamentally that's the only way our, our sport can do it because we're never going to truly have a team environment because uh, it's an individual sport. So you need, to br- you need to bring people together under a common umbrella, a common message or a common goal or a common brand but allow them the freedom to to build their own brand because that's i think that's valuable too to both brands right Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of people were critical of bahrain initially when we did that but i said look you know bahrain has a message out there that they want to promote bahrain so they don't just don't care about whether a guy rides a specialized bike or a canyon bike it doesn't affect what they're looking for right they don't Mm -hmm. need to own the individual which was fantastic for Bahrain, and it's fantastic for the athletes because it allowed them to to grow their their money base. And uh, we thought the same thing with with uh, the Pura team is sure we want we'll build their uniforms and everything for them, but if they pull a sponsor, I'm not going to say, hey, no way I, this this needs to be a profitable enterprise for me because it doesn't have to be. I, I honestly see it as the opportunity for these kids to learn a little bit about. How to be a professional, because a lot of these guys in the sport are not. They like to say it are because they've got a pro license, but that doesn't define professionalism. And how to shape their own career and own their own destiny, because at the end of the day, you're going to be 41 day, and triathlon you're going to look back at as a big mistake or a big, or, a, or, or be very, very happy with it. You meet a lot of these people now, I meet a lot of them on the road that were former pros, and they're bitter with the sport. But I'm like, it's not the sport's fault, it's your fault. And that's what we really want to show these. Uh, these young guys that they need to, and girls that they need to own where they're going own it and i'm not going to limit that i'm just going to be part of that journey for them and and the stepping and the stepping stone for them to kick on to bigger things
0: do you um do, when you're putting the team together do you think about the dynamic of the team like obviously you've got the individuals you're got to make sure they've got the right attitude and approach but at the same time you are bringing seven people together to live in kind of you know like a, a kind of very close environment was the whole dynamic of the team something you considered
4: not hugely, you know, not hugely, because uh, they all have their own homes. We, we sort of call it the Tanyapur Look, If you see the place, it's like a little athlete's village, it's quite cute. and uh, and and I, I I just wanted to make sure, because you've got some great little pros on the island already, right? So you got like Freddie Cronenberg, You got Nick Gates, who's a former professional cyclist who's doing quite well as a professional. You get Mitch Robbins through here all the time. You get a. Uh, you know, there's some good little pros that base out of here already. So what I wanted to make sure as opposed to the dynamics was not about making these guys feel good all the time, because that's what national programs do. I wanted a little bit of a competitive environment. I wanted them to to realise this is a this is an opportunity, not a not something that's a given, right? And and, and for them to take that. So we really picked it, as I said, on, on the passion, on the why do you, the first question I asked was why do you want to come here? And, what do you want to do with this opportunity? You know, and, and then I had them ask me a lot of questions. So, and, and I was going through a lot of the things. Like, as I said, when guys were asking me about how strong was the Wi-Fi connection, I'm like, really? That's your <laughs> that's your question on the was it next? You know, it was quite bizarre. Was, uh, Someone's listening to day. this going,
0: I shouldn't have asked that question
4: right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's probably listening going, oh, man, I can't believe it. But,
1: so yeah, what, was... what about your plans for the year? You said you're going to go over and do the uh, Otello. Any other any other plans for your own um, personal racing this year?
4: Yeah, I'm doing the Moscow Marathon. So we're uh, yeah, running uh, the Moscow Marathon this year in Russia. And but seriously? A... Yeah, yeah. Well, I've done it a... in a few months. You'll... We'll probably talk again. We've locked out a big um, contract out of Russia to launch something that's pretty exciting. We're pretty pumped about. And um, so I'm doing spending a lot of time over there now because as i said the amazing thing about asia is the opportunities and the people that come through here and uh you know especially in that part of the world and and is a massively emerging group of people that do our sport and they haven't been corrupted. corrupted is the wrong word but they they're coming at it from very very different angles in the business world and they and they realize how the opportunities that are within it not just to be competitive but to change their lives mm-hmm. and, and you know iron man has done that quite well in their marketing but I don't think they've taken it far enough, and so we 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 met this big Russian conglomerate over there that are funding something that we're really excited about that we should launch, and we'll probably talk about. So that's why I'm spending a lot of time in Russia this year, as we as we roll that out in Sochi and Kazan and this part of the world down here, and uh, try and nab some of the best athletes on the planet to, to be a part of it. Nice. So it's uh, so those are two key events for me. till I'm doing um, I'm doing a race this weekend in Patea. Um, it's a part of the tri-league here it's a, a good series that's why the team comes across this weekend to race because it's one of the big events here and um i'm doing uh, a race in singapore um a couple of the challenge events over this part of the world in asia i'll be back up in europe in uh actually i'm going next week to ironman nice not competing just to support a few people um do the formula one and just enjoying it the the, the absolutely highly competitive days for me are, are well and true. i have no desire to I don't think I even think I have a, a Ironman Pro card. I yeah. <laughs> it's been a couple of years, so <laughs> I've been having one for a few years. Like I don't. That those days for me are well and truly over, and I'm enjoying being on this side of the fence and 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 still being involved in an, in an exterior capacity, and uh, and realizing very very quickly when you're on this side how the opportunities are within our sport that that are enormous, and the people that 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 exist on the peripherals of this sport are are amazing people with, with huge ambitions if you can shape them in a in a certain way to to help the sport as opposed to hinder it. Mm, nice.
1: Yeah. So no comeback for Rio for you. Um just one <laughs> last question, one last question I've got is who do you think's gonna take down the male Olympics? I mean the women's looks like a pretty much a lay down Mazzia unless Gwen Jorgensen gets injured or falls off her bike to to a large degree. What about the boys? You know, it looks like it's a little bit of a changing the guard.
4: Yeah, I I, I love um Prior to his crash, I love Richard Murray, Not uh, you know, and, and I talked to Richard a fair bit, but is a very – it's hard to bet against Moler at the moment. Gomez is your man, right, but is yeah. very, very hard. I know Alistair's had some issues with that foot surgery last year. He just doesn't seem to find that form. He's hard to bet against, but I'm thinking the Spaniards are going to be very, very difficult to beat. And it's all dependent upon Mola's swim, which he seems to be getting better, but his performance in Yokohama last week was amazing. Mm. Amazing, and Javier was, you know, he he was injured earlier in the year, and I saw his big swim. I think we all did that, yeah. fifteen minute, fifteen hundred. I'm like, oh my god, that's swimming. And <laughs> so he's, you know, I, I looked at that and thought to myself, you know, are you trying to set this race up in Rio with a big swim? Because that's that's the distance on Mola, right? You've got, to, yeah. because if it comes down to a foot race, he's hard to bet against. So mm-hmm. it's going to be awesome. But I think the Spanish are going to be all over it. And uh, I, I was hoping Richard Murray for a bronze, but um, I think maybe a maybe a Brownlee again. Whether mm. it's uh, the one that won the gold, I think it could be two bronzes for for Johnny. Nice. That's my pick.
1: Awesome. I'll look, look forward to hearing. Later in the year, and uh, about this Russian development. And guys, if you want to check out uh, Tanya Pora, go to tanyapora.com, and they've got all the links there through to the the pro teams. So um, thanks, as always, for your time, Mecca, and uh, awesome. we'll catch, up, catch up later in the year.
4: All right, boys. Thank you, and sorry about this morning, but I'll thank you after the Otillo. Hopefully, I'm up near the pointy end and you say, "Well, I trained all year and even missed an IM talks. Was late for a, for a session. <laughs> yeah. So oh, yeah. We'll, t- we'll take thanks, all the Thanks, guys. All good, mate. Awesome, thanks, mate. mate. <laughs>
0: Okay, John, we are back and MACA's got a team happening.
1: He has. And I um, like it. It's it's great. Yeah. Because I do I, I agree with Macca that no commer- commercially they're not probably gonna get heaps out of that. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll obviously do their PR and stuff with it, but it's um yeah, it's about giving those guys a, a chance and developing a bit of a uh, a development program, and I think what the big benefit for them though is if they can have more athletes training there, then it helps their that sort of next group coming coming through and you know i I used to go and train in Hong Kong in a similar sort of environment um where the athletes they're just It's just different. And when we come from Western cultures, you don't understand that sport has not been ingrained in those Asian cultures they're going through. They don't have a clue in terms of what it takes to be an athlete. So if they can have more athletes based in Tanyapur, hopefully that'll rub off on some of their locals. So well, it's interesting stuff. on the
0: news, have other I? I'm really curious about this kind of... Because it was on the news saying how China wants to become a world leader in football because mm. the Prime Minister's, I know, and they're putting you know, stupid amount of money into it. It would be interesting to see... Ha- if money can make that happen because you know if we look at s- cultures like ours where sport is just ingrained in our kids mm. um, it'll be interesting to see if you can just buy that success or if it has to actually take time of building a culture of sport. so interesting stuff okay John Bo, Um I know you were pushing it for time so what do we want to do next
1: oh coach on, I'm going to hold that over to next week okay it's a big one it's a big one so' we'll might take me a little week. while sponsor John extreme endurance
0: well that's probably why Belinda was so excited when she told me about I Mean Texas on Sunday yeah she was buzzing she was,
1: she was buzzing because extreme endurance even works with Belinda what, what, how immune boost yeah I mean firstly the girls both Belinda and Jen used it for their able tasman, able tasman and they found it worked incredibly well that's in terms of the extreme endurance Blinda had the old tickle coming on, a little bit of uh, a little. Yeah, bit get of up t- I don't oh, want to know oh, what you guys get up to. Oh, well, <laughs> where do I start? <laughs> we're not going to give those tips out on the show. Mm. Um, but had a little bit of a cold coming on last week, started hitting the extreme endurance, and uh, felt that it made a significant difference in terms of her not going over the edge and getting really, really sick. That's obviously, we're heading into winter over here, and kitties are starting to get sick a little bit more. Problem when you're kids, though. you're kind of exposed to everything, aren't you? Mm. But um, she managed to battle off her cold and, and not get sick and she's uh, a, a fairly regular immune boost user. So if you guys, especially Kiwis, Aussies and Southern Hemisphere athletes, going into winter um, just gives you that little bit of extra boost to make sure you stay healthy. So everybody around the world, use the promo code IMtalk10. That's on the .com or the, the European sites and you get yourself 10% discount. So check it out, xinsurance.com.
0: And you can stay healthy, all year round Okay yes. John But my first try Arnold Sulikoff Who won Ultraman Australia he sent it through he's got, It was May 1990 oh, What were you doing in May 1990? High school?
1: Yeah
0: Yeah would have been like third form for me Third form or? Well, you're a year older than me aren't you? Mm. So you must have been fourth form
1: I thought I said high school in 91 91 to 94 91 92 I swear, maybe, maybe it. Was like, no, no, might, might have been
0: right. I was just out of my legal army time for twelve months. Wow, man! Imagine the place. New Zealand don't have that.
1: In France, you got to do you got to do your time.
0: He you got charge for reckless behaviour. So <laughs> <laughs> army is where I started doing a bit of sport, mostly running, because we had a choice to choose between doing a chore or running. Easy to decide, even for a hater, a sport hater like me. I never really gave it a thought about triathlon, but I remember a short f- footage of Kona. 1989 on the French TV. Now, that, that's Iron isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. That, that got a lot of people into the sport, French TV. And when I saw a flyer staple on the electric pole, I'm not sure what that means.
1: Well, so he basically just saw a flyer. Oh, for, a staple for on the electric pole, okay. For, for a
0: race coming up. A uh, glorious time before the internet. I thought I would give it a go. It was in Orleans, centre of France, triathlon where it was an Olympic try and it was prom- promotional on the format of 500 metre swim, 20k bike ride and 5k run for the people without a federal license and I believe I was going to be just fine, I was not. The swim was a total disaster. I would say we were maybe about 300, but as Bad as a breaststroker, I almost drowned a few times in the cold water, and I got off out of the water in time just for the last of the small pack. I went on my bike and an old six-speed roadie lent by a mate put on a parachutish, what's that, helmet?
1: Parachutish helmet? So you know,
0: Just like a bit of a skateboard helmet I'd imagine. Okay, and an old t-shirt and tried to make some time up. All in all I'd ridden two times on a road bike just before for 15k and 20k. weather wasn't friendly on a grey day and fierce wind that just uh, finished me. Must have been the longest 20k ride I'd ever ridden. Thanks to some mechanical uh, that slowed down other competitors, I managed to make up some places and racked my bike on the run, which was just starting out in a sandy part with completely broken legs. The 5k was around a small lake, but it was just a nightmare for me. I thought many times of pulling the plug. My legs were hurting, my gut was a mess, and my feet were full of blisters. I got past almost everybody, old ladies, old ladies, I got passed by almost everybody, old ladies included, and I still remembered an old limping guy passing me with a strange gait close to the finish line when I was dragging my sorry ass, and the smile on his face was still engraved in my memory. I have basically no recall of the finish line. I went back home and slept for almost a day. I finished third from last, I think. It was a disaster, but I was hooked for good and promised that I would never let this happen again. It was a long time ago for me, and it has been a cornerstone of my life. As I had to face the reality of my fitness or absolute lack of it the next day, I was more ashamed than proud and had to completely reconsider my position down the food chain, the human food chain. Uh, There was a before and an after, and since then, I've never looked back.
1: 26 years later, wins Ultraman, yeah, and had a pretty cool, solid season you know, in terms of going down to Wanaka, crushed it down there, and then went to Taupo and, uh, and race I think he didn't race quite as well there, but still did very well, so uh, Arnold Sulikov, Ultraman champions, first race. Yeah, good times.
0: It is cool when you, you know, because it was a bit of a crap experience. And a lot mm-hmm. of people, that would probably push them away from the sport. But it's nice that for him it was the realisation of, oh, no, I need to sharpen up. So mm-hmm. pretty cool stuff. Okay, uh, we've got oxygen, oxygen addict. on. Oh, we've got good old
1: Rob Wildey. And we're going to be talking about sweet spot training for Ironman. Here we go. Right guys, so this week we're talking a little bit of bike specific training and with Rob Will, head coach at Oxygen Addict, you guys can check it out at team.oxygenaddict.com and we're going to be talking sweet spot, sweet spot bike training for Ironman, so a lot of you guys will have heard different terms sort of thrown around everywhere, FTP this, normalised power that, um, but today we're going to be talking a bit of sweet spot training, so welcome back to the show Rob. Thanks very much, John. It's great to talk to you guys again. How are you doing? Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. So maybe give us, a, explain what sweet spot training is because um, it's a term that, you know, certainly guys like Hunter Allen and stuff use, um, but a lot of people probably won't know what it is or what percentage of effort it is and stuff like that. Yeah, so maybe, yeah, maybe sure. explain it all to us. Okay, so
3: the first thing is if you imagine um, a curve of the response to training where if we said if you train around FTP, that's kind of like your most return of of, um, sort of fitness for the amount of training that you've done. The challenge with that is that if you do some FTP training, we know it's quite hard work on you and we know that it's going to take you a bit of time to recover. And obviously while you're training for an Ironman, if it's taking you a lot of time to recover, if you get into the next day, and you're not ready to go again, that's gonna be a problem for you. So this sweet spot idea came around by the idea that if you train about the 90% of FTP mark, then you're still gonna get the vast majority of the effects of that training, but you're going to recover from that training much, much faster. And it also has the added benefit, you can actually do more training at that level at 90% of FTP than you can do at 100% of FTP. So overall, while you don't get quite as much training response from training at 90%, you can do a lot more of it. So you actually get a lot more training stimulus within that training block. So we're going to say that 90% is the number, Hunter Allen actually defines it as like eighty eight to ninety four percent so that gives us a kind of a, a plus or minus of a couple of percent either side of that ninety percent area
0: so so if you are new, like if you are someone who's kind of newer to all of this type of stuff, you obviously want to get your f t p kind of sorted out and get that number sorted out and then how much do you want to train within the sweet spot as well because obviously that's an area that you know think of all the different zones, how much do you want to be sitting in that sweet spot
3: yeah it gets confusing doesn't it so yeah. the way i do this within team oxygen addict is i say right we'll break up our training here 20 weeks out from your ironman through to 12 weeks out from your ironman i'll have the guys doing some training at ftp at 100 percent of ftp but then at 12 weeks out when the volume really starts to ramp up what i found was if you try and do training at 100 percent of ftp you are just whipped the next day and it can kind of write the day off and if you've got highly motivated athletes they might try and do two of those sessions a week and you know they're just they're just beating themselves into the ground so what I've started doing is saying right at 12 weeks out we're going to shift down it's like shifting down a gear you know we're going to train in this 88 to 95 percent of FTP area and that's going to mean that they get the chance to bounce back and they're good to go for the run session or the swim session the next day. So we'll have them do a couple of those sweet spot sessions a week in conjunction with the long ride. Because so obviously the big challenge with Ironman training is it's actually the recovery from the training mm. is the biggest problem most people have got. It's not the will to do the training, you know?
0: Mm. And if anything, they, they damage themselves because of their keenness, really, isn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's the great thing about sweet spot training with founders. You can, you can probably absorb... I'm going to say nearly double the amount of training at sweet spot that you can absorb at 100 percent of ftp so for those really motivated athletes or the guys who are trying to go to kona they can do a lot of work at sweet spot and feel really good and feel they've had a you know a good hard workout but they'll wake up the next day and they'll be good to go again and they'll feel a bit in the legs but they won't be completely beaten
0: so you're saying from like 20 weeks out through to about 12 weeks you're going to do the ftp and then you're going to go to sweet spot training kind of closer to the you know 12 weeks in does it shift even as you get closer to the race like you know that last kind of month before the race or do you just still stay with sweet spot training
3: well yeah a lot of the training that i do is is obviously with age groupers who've got busy lives and jobs and stuff and and the, the training plans are based around three sessions a week they're going to get one much longer session at the weekends when they've got the time to do it but no matter how motivated they are, they don't tend to have a lot of time during the week. So I try and fit their training into two sessions of one hour during the week time. And like I said, the really top motivated guys might get two sweet spot sessions in those two one hour slots. Most athletes will get one sweet spot session and one session that's focused on you know, a bit of cadence work or a bit of position change work because it's all about getting them to do as much training as they can absorb rather than as much training as they can
0: do, you know? Yeah, What would you recommend are some sessions that you know are going to hit that kind of sweet spot in a really good way?
3: Right. So I'd say we start out within your 60-minute your session, we'll say, okay, you're going to try and start out getting 30 minutes at sweet spot done. And a great way to break that up is to do two sessions of 15 minutes with a five-minute gap in between. And again, we could say it's as simple as doing two efforts of 15 minutes at 90% of FTP. But I like to break it up a bit and say, well, we'll go with three levels here. We've got 85%, 90%, and 95%. And just switch them around a bit between those. So within that 15 minutes, they might go, you know, 85 for five minutes, 90 for five minutes, 95 for five minutes, get five minutes recovery and do that again. And so it has this added bonus that all of that 15 minute chunk is at or around sweet spot but by varying intensity a little bit up and down it gives them a chance to feel they're either pushing on a bit or backing off a bit and it can really break that time up so we'll start off with you know two by 15 we'll move to two by 20 and maybe some of the stronger guys will end up doing three by 20 or even two by 30 within a you know that's going to end up a bit more than an hour that session but the really strong athletes will be able to ride for two sets of 30 minutes around sweet spot and You know, they won't be thanking me for it at the end of it, but come race day, it has this really beneficial effect that, you know, it does kind of push the threshold value up from underneath rather than FTP training kind of pulls it up from above and it, you know, they recover faster. So the line I always say to to even the novice athletes that are racing Ironman is, the higher we can get your FTP before race day within reason, the faster you're going to be traveling at your kind of zone two or 75% level, you know, so you're going to be doing your endurance rides faster. Essentially, you're going to be able to do your Ironman ride faster when it comes to race day.
1: Awesome. I think it's great, Rob, because um, FTP work does – does smoke you as you've said, and um, and I think sometimes I was listening
3: to you, man. Some of the sessions you were telling us that you were doing. I don't know how you managed to wake up in the morning,
1: mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a really good point you make there, because and this is where if you read cycling stuff, it, it you know that they talk about their FTP workouts and so on. But they don't factor in the running, and the way that I can get away with it at the moment is because I'm not doing very much running at all. Um, I'm doing just enough to get me to get me through epic camp. But my training is very much focused on on doing bike training. So that's I think what you you've sort of said is re- really good around the sweet spot stuff. Because once your run load comes up, um, it's it's much harder to hit your theoretical FTP. So I think um, the sweet spot stuff is is yeah, it's more more attainable when you're in that final 12 weeks. So I think that's a really good point that you make, you know, 20, 20 weeks through to 12 weeks when you're not perhaps – quite at your most smoked stage is um, you can still do it but once you get into that phase where your running really comes up it's it's really difficult to, to maintain it so yeah my situation at the moment is, uh, is a little different than if I was training for Ironman I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the stuff that I'm doing so now we should basically be saying a prayer for anyone who's got to do epic camp with you Johnny hey oh, well <laughs> I'm not quite the lean mean fighting machine that I was in the, the good old days yeah, just, one,
0: just one question <laughs> um,
1: so Rob tell us a bit about more um, oxygen addict because you know You've come across with some um, some great tips in that, and I'm sure there's lots of people going, "Well, this sort of sounds like the the situation for me," and sort of the attitude that you know you've got a really good understanding of um, of the the working athlete. Um, because uh, there's a big difference um, when you're coaching working athletes as opposed to guys that have maybe come up and through the pro ranks and then they're coaching and they don't quite understand. And Maka was on the show earlier today sort of saying, yeah, he used to, to spin the line that he kind of understood what age groupers did when he was a pro athlete, but really now he actually gets it and, and you're in that similar situation where you've come from being you know, uh, a good age group athlete where you've had a job and you've got kids and stuff and you kind of get it. So if people want to find out more about Oxygen Addict and, and what you're up to, where should they go? Yes,
3: yeah, so if they go over and check out team.oxygenaddict.com, basically what we've built is a, it's a kind of online training plan combined with a team environment. So we've, we've recognized that it's difficult for you know, not just to get the training done. It's difficult for age group athletes with families to even get down to a local club to do one of the sessions there, and they miss that kind of camaraderie. So as well as getting um, an event-specific training plan that's been written by me specific to the the Ironman or the 70.3 that they're going to be doing, they'll get access to what we did was we built it within a Facebook group because we figured that's the easiest technology that everyone's got access to. We've got all the athletes from the team in there, and it's just great, man. They hang out there all the time, and they're telling each other their race results and you know their, their injuries and what's going on. And can you believe Rob's given us this session? Yeah. And I get on there every day and kind of give them a bit of feedback and help them with any questions that they have. So from my point of view, it means I can work with a lot more athletes more effectively, I think then certainly than I could do trying to coach them one-to-one and from their point of view they they also get access to coaching support as well as sort of online teammates as it were really so a little bit more cost effective than one-to-one coaching but I, I really feel people are getting great value from it so um so yeah come over and check it out and a little bit of a shameless plug, man. We've got a, a special offer on for the month of May. Anyone who signs up during May, I'm going to give them a complimentary 30-minute Skype consultation with me that they can, they can talk about the training or the way the training plan is going to work or, or anything that they like, really. So that would have a usual cost of £50, but it's getting thrown in as a comp for the, for the rest of the month of May to try and get a few people more through the door and, and try and swell the ranks a little bit, really. What's, um, what's the website
2: again?
1: It's team.oxygenaddict.com. Awesome, Rob. That's fantastic, guys. Go check it out. And uh, we'll be having Rob back for some more specific topics in the coming months. So uh, thanks for your time, Rob. And good luck to all your athletes for their races coming up.
3: Yeah, thanks very much, boys. It's, uh, It's great to talk to you and keep up the good work with the show. I'm loving it.
0: Okay, man. Love your work. See you soon
3: we are back Jombo we're have, we
0: have doing that interview later but so I'm sure it's the best interview ever so Absolutely. questions and answers uh,
1: so I got this bit of feedback we talked about St Croix it was either last week or the week yeah, what before because
0: back in the day St Croix was one of the races
1: and I got an email in and uh, you were asking regarding the podcast about why St Croix has died off I can give you an Official and unofficial answer. Official is they lost their long-standing Kona spots. This killed the race as the field was normally hardcore athlete racers looking for an easy trip to Kona. So I think that's a key point. Throw in the sad state of affairs of the roads and something had to give. So the instant croix sounded like Wicked course, had a really tough hill and stuff, So cool course, but it sounds like the roads just started to get in really shit condition oh, okay. And uh, a and, bit like Island Time, you know, you, you have these beautiful resorts, but in between the resorts yeah. sometimes it's a bit marginal Where is it? Uh, somewhere in the Caribbean Okay is that vague yeah, enough well, answer for well, you? Good enough for me mate. Uh, unofficial is that the race never had drug testing and, uh, and this did not sit well with the WDC. Um, more of a decision of the cost of the testing rather than anything else by the organiser. Drug testing does cost a lot of money.
0: Well I remember when we went to Rote they brought it in and mm. then the next year they took it out and I think it was purely for cost reasons because oh, it cost really them a lot of money. Yeah.
1: If you look at the winners I don't think anyone there was glowing in the dark as they crossed the finish line. So <laughs> uh, so yeah I think that's the, the thing. The, those of slots really powerful in terms of maybe not getting the thousands of competitors um, but getting a good chunk there and I have a golden ticket but aren't they they are
0: the the draw card
1: and I have noticed uh, that like the the Kona 70.3 I don't think is sold out this year and a few years ago that was selling out pretty consistently and that used to have the Kona slot so I'm sure that has had uh, no that has had some sort of impact there as well
0: I wonder if locally there there was a bit of an upset about that don't know 'Cause they also said the local slots here, didn't they?
1: They did, yeah. What if this with those? I, I would imagine they will still got that then they need uh, the because a relationship do. with the locals, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, hopefully they do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You you Kona people should be uh you know, they should have a bit of advantage. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, jombo uh sponsors. Okay. Athlinks.com. So you networking for endurance athletes. Extreme Endurance Or if Belinda does it It must be good (laughs) Oxygen Addict Gets rid of her tickle (laughs) Uh, Yep, get some coaching And
1: our patrons And let's name a few of them Jonbo First up, we've got uh, Mike Thomas The Man of Many Faces Now these are ones we've done before, aren't they? The first one isn't Mike, we haven't done that He's up on athletes So why The Man of Many Faces? Well, I've had that one That must have been a name we gave to him Maybe when we did the, 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 the The Conus Book or whatever it oh, was okay, yeah, a few yeah. years ago. He's done twenty-five races. He's from Brighton and he, in Australia, and he's raced eight hundred and sixty-six miles. Wow, nice work, Mike! You Did rock. the IMAN Pacific Championships in Melbourne? La, the, the last ever ten forty-three.
0: I will tell you what—he's
1: probably got a few facials in all those
0: races. Yes. So, Mike, man of many faces. We've got Arnold. It's bloody, Arnold, Arnold, bloody
1: Arnold's day, isn't it? Sleek. Arnold Sleek Slavok Slavok. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you can't get that soon Silikov. Silikov. There you go David Doughty D Squared John the Mountain
0: Snail Hancock And Daniel Great Expectations Dickinson Okay, so we got an email through this week, John And it, it was pretty gold Now, I'm not sure What's this guy's original nickname? Has he had a nickname before?
1: Oh, okay. I
0: wasn't sure if it was the one who was Dirty Pesh.
1: No, no, it wasn't. No, it okay. definitely wasn't.
0: Okay, so basically, thanks for the nickname. So this came from John Muncy, isn't it? Yeah, John Muncy. Well, thanks for the nickname of Mincer. Although I like Dirty Pesh. Um, Although you, I like Dirty like, Pesh. Oh, sorry, like Dirty Pesh. You may want to double-check the Urban Dictionary and consider another name for me, as I can assure you both... That it is not my preferential way to see my, spend my Sunday afternoon. So he actually did the research for us. And Minster is a man who likes nothing better than putting his feet up on a Sunday afternoon
1: uh, while enjoying sitting on some other guy's... On a Sunday afternoon while some bloke sits on his... Yeah, so... <laughs>
0: yeah. On a pointy bit, let's put it that way, John. Dude, you... Uh, did you, dude... Did you notice how Ryan always likes to bear his asses to blokes? He reckons he's a grade A mincer. So there we go. So I think it's great.
1: Because he goes out there and minces people. He just crushes them out there. He yeah, turns them to mince. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. He goes, I felt sure that my nickname would have been something like Herman following Bevan's logic of Muncie sounds like the Munsters. So we could go with Herman. I think stick with it. No, it's a bit of we, a DP. stack with DP. Yeah, but he didn't go. He didn't go with double penetration. <laughs> <laughs> there is a difference. <laughs> I don't know. Would you want to be a mincer?
1: I'd love to be Min. I, I wouldn't want to be. A, I wouldn't want to be a mincer and I wouldn't want to be minced.
0: But I think yeah, that's good. I, I, I actually like you, Herman. I, I think we okay. go with Herman. Or we could just go the Munster. Okay. The Munster. There we go. There we go. The Munster. So does
1: it need to be changed on the official database yes, it does. you might want
0: to put a little kind of bracketed mincer there if you okay. want to but um, it's just not his way nothing against hey if, if you like it to be a mincer nothing wrong with that but for for uh, good old John it's just not his thing yeah, fair, fair enough, enough. John sponsors oh we've done that we've done that what's your goss
1: what is my goss uh, I didn't tell you I went to Dave Dobbin the other day back
0: it up yeah. I can remember last time I thanked you He's, he's quite an iconic he's Kiwi. He's great. i tell you what, if you live overseas and you've got Spotify or something like that, go get his album. Mm. His best of. He's this guy who does not look like a pop star at all. No. He, you know, he's, he's he doesn't have the pretty boy looks, but mm. the boy has written some amazing music. He's, he's an icon in New Zealand mu- kind of music. And mm.
1: go listen to his greatest hits. It's a great album. Very Kiwi. A lot of it's very Kiwiana sort yeah. of stuff. Where, where was he playing? Uh, down at the Tannery. It's just really? a small concert. like. 400 people or so What does it and cost you To see him It was only 30 bucks Sweet yeah, Was so it good Really good The, the, the warm up acts Were not great They were just a bit Was it the right music For him no, uh, For him Well once I went To see a band Called Op Shop Ops you know Op Shop
0: Yeah yeah, yeah and, they're, and they're kind of Like a Coldplay Kind of level of feel And before My <laughs> <they just> head <laughs> Kind of rock band And I was like This isn't a good uh, mix this,
1: The music was just too. It was just too mellow Because you're kind of Standing going Well this is just mellow. It's nice music, but they just kind of music. yeah. I'm not really so. That was who'd you go average. with? Uh, Blender and friend first. Oh, nice. So well, what day was that? It was, it was Saturday, week before Saturday. Hmm. Yeah. So. What's your favourite Dave Dobbin song? We did "Slice of Heaven" as sort of his oh, outro, and that's gold. Yeah. So yeah. No it was it was really good. Dave Dobbin.
0: Mm. I was once drunk, John, and I was in town, and Dave Dobbin was right next to me. We were down by the bridge of remembrance. And he gave me a beer. Yeah. yeah, And then Jordan Luck turned up, and he couldn't give me anything. He was so. Jordan Luck's a famous New Zealand singer, and uh, the joke is, uh, what what rhymes
1: with um, alcoholic? Rawden Luck. <laughs>
0: yeah, because <laughs> he's a pretty bad alky. Yeah. Um, any other goss.
1: No, I'm just changing my database here. So John Mince, M- Mincey M- the Mincer John Munce has now got uh, would you say the Munster as well, is it? Oh, if it's it Munster Muncie?:
0: Yeah. Munster Muncie. Yeah, it works. Okay yep. Munster Ormonds' if, if
1: I ever meet you, John, you are not going to get mince. You are the <laughs> Munster. stay away from it. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing this weekend? This weekend. Oh, so Thomas has been doing a few running races. We had a first soccer victory. Oh, back weekend. it up Three me. Um, How many games have you played? Six or so. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, is it a reflection of the coaching? No, <laughs> there's another one. It's one of the mothers, uh, she she organises the whole ninth grade. So we've got about twelve teams, and our little soccer's mass participation, yeah. isn't it? Twelve teams. So she organises the draw and stuff, and she didn't know me before beforehand, and um, and so I'm coaching the team. Her son's in, and my email address is coach john at. Yep. So and she's she's was she's to, she's she was talking to she was talking to Belinda on Saturday, and she said, "I oh, said, so what does what does John do for a job?" And <laughs> she's he loves coaching the team. and, uh, and she goes, "Ah, oh, I thought he was just really into coaching <laughs> the soccer team. And he got a new email address and everything for coaching the soccer team." So, no. <laughs> right, right. hardcore. Yeah. So that's about it. Good training week for me last week. Went out and crushed a, a, a big bike ride by myself on Sunday because the fillinator was sick and Murray was away, the Holy mm. Hammer. So went out and did uh, did a solid ride. So starting to get into some good shape. When are you off? Another, weeks. No, another six, six or okay. seven weeks When are you in okay. July, are you? End of June, late late June
0: oh, So I get, ba- I le- get back in late June oh, okay. So it's going to be a funny period for us uh-huh. It's going to be tricky We'll make it work we will be
1: in the time, same time zone, where are you going?
0: I'm going to Thailand No, not quite Thailand first, mm. and then you're going to France mm. Yeah Holiday time, John Bevan, holiday. what's happening with you? Well, two things First of all, I'm bloody proud of my partner Because mm. look at our cheers, John, look at this they look like shit, don't they? Yeah, know. yeah.
1: The cats attack them. A
0: cat, And we kind of just gave up. We mm-hmm. sort of let the cat attack them, but deep down it's always frustrated Joe. Mm-hmm. And Joe's kind of been sneakily looking at all these Harvey Normans and stuff and looking at buying chairs. Chairs aren't cheap. No. Looking at like three or 400 bucks a chair, John.
1: Yeah.
0: And Joe, this is what I love about Joe. She's says, like, well, I'm not spending four or 500 bucks a year. Recovered a chair last night. Oh, very nice. Never recovered a chair in her life. Look at, look at the job on
1: this. She's, she's, she did some good work at uh, Phillipstown Manual. Oh, don't she's probably <laughs> bevan to drop, the, to drop chair. the chair and it's now broken. So so has got one chair, skills. she's got
0: another seven to go, but I am yep. I'm impressed with my partner. She's done very, very well. So very well. And then this She'll get a little more
1: money in her budget there for, for saving so much yep, money.
0: She I think that, that costs thirty dollars to cover. Yeah. That's you know, but, you know, so I think yeah, she can get an extra five dollars in her budget this week. Yeah. So, yep, that's very fair. Um this weekend, John, we're doing something very romantic. Yes. We're going to sip and paint. That? Okay. No, I have not. It's a really cool thing so i actually bought it for joe for christmas uh what you do is you go to this place an Mm -hmm. artsy place Mm -hmm. and you choose the painting you're going to do Mm -hmm. and we're doing one where it's a date night out so you basically do this lovely picture and you Mm -hmm. do half the kind of like that one there two pieces each right big and it's wine
1: and food and you do a painting together sounds like fun (laughs) What's that look like? <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass that one on to Blender and see if she's she's interested in Yeah, it's doing gonna be that. very rheumatic, John. Okay. Yeah, a couple of hours. I'd like the wine part of it. Yeah. Look, I'm
0: terrible at art.
3: So am I, John. But it's I kinda terrible. think terrible. But this is the
0: thing, is when you do sip and paint, they they show you how You get paint. drunk so then it might actually look good. Because you actually decide the painting you want to do. So you go you when you sign up for it, you say, Okay, this is the painting ways, I'll show yeah, sip and paint and paint um you show them the painting that you want to do so everyone's doing the same painting on the
1: night mm-hmm. um yeah and joe, joe and i are going to do that it's gonna be a very I romantic think, night do lots of sipping and you get better it's a bit like my pool when i play pool or snooker or whatever pool. so you get better when you play when you get drunk oh yeah significantly better really? not it's not so i'm falling over drunk but once i'm half inebriated i'm uh, i play significantly better really you just really? get your confidence you really whack that ball and okay, that's what we're doing on date night john
0: look at that we're gonna do that painting
1: Good luck with that. I'll be really interested to see what that
2: looks like. Okay, so, so here's
0: here's what it needs to look like. It's a, kind of a love heart with the twigs, two birds, beautiful blue kind of sky background. Mm-hmm. And it's even called date night. Mm-hmm. Call the babysitter, John, and grab your other half. Imagine painting over two canvases so you don't go home with the same painting but better yet, two masterpieces to debut on your wall. Change the colours to match your decor. It's going the highlight of your
1: house. Oh, These I chairs think. are just going to look like shit in here compared it's, it's, to your paintings. You what, John,
0: it's just an art piece of our house.
1: <laughs> so there you go, John. There you go. Nice. Righty-ho, we got to wrap it up. Okay, John, boy, wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm no. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car.
0: Car.